All right. So I want to welcome our friend Eliza Morales Brown to the cast tonight. Welcome, Eliza. Hey guys. And how's it going? Eliza has worked as a PA on a lot of feature films, major feature films, television shows, and she's a filmmaker in her own right, has a lot of acting experience. And thank you for being on, Eliza. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's, it's nice to be here, given everything that's going on right now. Yeah. It's definitely a crazy, crazy world out there. Very. So I guess I'll, I'll let you give yourself a little bit more of an introduction. Sure. So as, as you said, my name is Eliza Morales-Brown. Um, I've been working in the film industry over a decade. I started as an actress. I mean, if you count that, that I've been doing it since I was like seven. <laughs> but I started as an actress. I moved to New York when I was 18. I did a brief stint abroad, came back and never left. I've started doing just like small indie shorts. And then I moved on to doing, you know, through school I went to school visual arts uh, completed a bachelor's in editing uh, originally I started out a dual concentration in cinematography as well um, nice but yeah destiny did not see, see me as a cinematographer because <clears throat> hello hey sorry about that uh, not all good um, yeah so I, I hurt my hand like five years ago so cinematography kind of went out the window because you need two fully functioning hands and arms for that. Um, from there, I've been editing, God, since Final Cut 7 with brand spanking new. Um, if that tells you how old I am, please don't do the math. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, I moved on. I've also done producing. Um, I've done a lot of assistant directing on, on shorts and indies. I've done music videos. I've done industrial videos as a producer, assistant director, director, editor. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go bigger. And that kind of brought me back to the beginning in some ways um, because I, I stepped into the world of being a production assistant on union sets. And there is a difference. There's a big difference between being a non-union PA and being a union PA. I think the biggest difference is as a union PA, you are not allowed to touch any equipment whatsoever. Now, if you go outside and you work, eh, it's just a little bit, but just a little, little bit. Um, I, I just worked on a pilot for Showtime. I can't tell you what it is because NDA, uh, but I, I definitely interacted more with like physically interacted with props and, and wardrobe, then I would ever interact with that stuff in New York City. Um, it's much stricter here. Like they, they wouldn't dream of letting you touch anything. So like put that out of your head very quickly. You, you don't get to jump in and do stuff with other departments. That's just a no-go. Unless you're a PA for that department. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, and it's, it's been interesting. Um, I applied for the, the Director's Guild training program. Um, unfortunately, I'm too experienced, apparently, because uh, I'm not doing it. It's I a, made it to the, the okay. third stage, which is the, the first interview. Um, and they, they said that they, were, they weren't bringing me on to the last interview. So now, who knows? 
it's a very tough union to get into from what people say. It, it, it is and it isn't. It's, it's a matter of being able to just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone. And as long as you, you network, you work hard, you show up on time, and, and you show, like, a willingness to learn and, and help, you'll, you'll get pretty far pretty quick. And the better you are on set, the more work you get because ultimately your goal, um, you start out as an additional PA. An additional PA is someone they bring on that does, like, lock-up. You literally, you'll stand on a corner or in a hallway or somewhere and keep people quiet and keep pedestrians from walking through set. It's not, it's not glamorous. The days are long. You're on your feet for 14, 16 hours. I think my longest day was 28 hours. And that, that was including a trip to the ER with another PA that got hurt. So, yeah, it, it's current it's work. Like, it, there's nothing glamorous about it. You're at the bottom of the food chain. Most sets are good. Some sets, they're going to treat you like the bottom of the food chain, and you kind of just got to have a thick skin and put up with it. I think there's a good segue to actually jump into the student questions. And Michael's, Michael's first question is what are the most common tasks that a PA assists? Um, And I guess his question is what are the common, what are the most common tasks that a PA assists that AD with? Do you ever work with the AD on those projects? Generally speaking, as an additional PA, no, you don't work with an AD. Um, or not directly. I mean, you're, you're there. You're part of the assistant director's department, but you don't directly work with the AD. Um, and quite frankly, some of them are terrifying. And so you want to, you know, <laughs> get your chops before you start interacting with them directly. Um, they're not all bad. Trust me, they're not all bad. But, but some are definitely yeah. a little intimidating. Um, you don't really start interacting directly with the ADs until you get a staff position. Uh, staff positions, there's, um, so there's the paperwork PA. The paperwork PA assists the second assistant director with paperwork. You're, you're printing W4s. You're, every day you're responsible for preparing the production report. Um, the production report is, is exactly what it sounds like it's it's a report of everything that happened that day and and then on top of that you also have to verify the report from the second from the previous day so you start your day verifying and then you go to prepping and you do that by getting manpower uh manpower means you go to like the different departments and say hey who who do you have tomorrow some of them like i the um Sorry, Cecily Electric on on the Showtime pilot. He had a lovely calendar, and I just looked at it every day. And if it said I have additional people, I just say, "Who are your additional people?" Sometimes you have to text them. Sometimes you have to chase them down. Um, after paperwork, PA, and there's more to it, but I'm not going to get into that because we could be here for hours. Um, after paperwork, PA, uh, there's the first team runner who kind of in charge if they're in charge of base camp getting the actors ready as they land getting them through hair and makeup getting them through wardrobe getting them dressed getting them approved getting them fitted if they if they have a fitting those usually happen before they go into hair and makeup um because they're trying on so many clothes they're going to mess up 
anything that's done up here. Um, and then and then you get them to set. And you also make sure that hair, makeup, and wardrobe travel with them to set if you're far away. Because you, you really don't want to send cast without them. You'll get in a lot of trouble. Um, so there's a first name runner, and then they have a helper. The helper is generally the person that's on set. I mean, the runner will go to set if if you don't have a lot of first teamers coming in for a while, like because they'll come in waves. Um, you know, you'll you'll have them come at the start of the day, like really honestly, like an hour or two before the start of the day, and then sometimes you'll have some come in an hour after, two hours after. So it depends on the schedule for the day whether or not you get to go to set or if you're second base camp. Um, and then the first team runner is responsible for set, or sorry, helper. The helper is responsible for actors on set. So you have umbrellas on you. You keep track of the cast. You, they, they're going to come to you and say, hey, do I have time to go to the bathroom? And that's when you go over to the second second AD, not, not the second, they're back in base camp. And you say, hey, this actor needs to go 10-1. Can the do they have time? You don't just tell the actor go. Because if you tell them to go and they're set for the next shot, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, and for those of the, you, from health, for those of you yeah. that are uh, new to filmmaking that don't know, 10-1 is a code to go to the bathroom. Somebody needs a bathroom yeah. break. Yeah. Bathroom, smoke, whatever. Like they used to have different numbers for it, but everyone now just says 10-1. Um, so, you know, you go, and then you also, you, you pair with sound and you say, hey, sound, are we lobbing people? Like, do we need to wire the actors today for this shot? And they'll say, yeah, I need to wire such and such and such. You say, okay, great. And while um, crew has the set and they're doing marking rehearsal, marking rehearsal is where they bring in um, the background actors that stand in for the actors. And they set up the camera and set up the lights, blah, 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 blah. Um, during that time, you should be getting your actors through sound and getting them wired. So um, on walkie, when you get them started, you'd say starting, like say you, say you had four people to wire. You'd say over walkie, you'd say, hey, starting wire one of one. One of four, sorry. Starting wire one of four. And then when that's completed, so on and so forth. Until, you, until you're all done and then you say, hey, four wires complete. And it's important to communicate that those things because the the AD needs to know. Okay, we're 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 good to go with the actors because sometimes you know sometimes the actors will hold it up, sometimes the camera holds it up. You never know, but they need they need to know who's ready, who's not. Yeah, and is um, that is that communication is, is like the field sound recordist then also looped into that communication directly when they're getting laved up, um, or is that is that or they kind of like once removed, like, I guess I'm curious about on those kind of sets. Yeah. On a bigger production, um, it would be the, the sound technician that does the wiring along with wardrobe. So like you, the, the sound technician doesn't do anything that involves going into their clothes. Yeah. If, if the wire has to go through the clothing and not just like stay in a, you know, in a suit jacket pocket or something. Um, Wardrobe's gonna do that. Not not the not the sound technician. The sound technician just hooks it up, makes sure makes sure it's working. Um, the uh, sound mixer is the one you go to to figure out how many wires. Although they 
you could go to either or because sometimes the te- he'll he'll have already told the technician oh we need here you need for it. But if the technician doesn't know, the mixer should know. And if the mixer doesn't know, you pull out your sides, which you should always have on you. And you say, well, these are the people that are talking in it. Do they all need a wire? Yeah. And they'll say yes or no. Okay. Um, nice. Let's see from there. And, and keeping track of them is, is another thing. I like, I'm really frank with my actors. I say, Hey, let's like, and, and you got to feel it out because some, they don't want to be bothered. You just got to watch them. But if they, if, especially if they're newer and they're not like, you know, big names, they'll say, Hey, listen, you're going to go walk away to crafty or walk away to the bathroom and there's nothing going on. And I get it. Please let me know. So I know yeah. where you are. Yeah. You know, a big part of it is um, corralling communication people, right? is key. Yeah. Yeah. First team help is a lot of corralling. Um, the position that's even more crawling is the, is the background runner that you're as a background runner, you're in charge of all the background actors. Yeah. Large swaths of people. Of, oh yeah. And, and as I mean, and this, and granted, this is all stuff like these staff positions aren't something you're going to jump right into right away. There's, you're going to be doing additional PA work for six months, a year before you're you're gonna actually be able to get a staff position from an AD unless unless you just know somebody and you're kissing ass. Um, because they're they need you to have experience on set. Well you're you're not gonna go in as a green PA this, and get a staff job. This is all all amazing stuff so far. Um, it kind of yeah. ties into Victor's question and I think a lot of us are curious to know, describe a little bit about your experience and, you know, what sort of projects have you worked on? I know that you worked on the movie Joker, which was a big yeah. one. Yeah. Um, let's see. I worked, yeah, I worked on Joker that I was an additional. Um, so they, they basically, as an additional, they bring you on when they have big days, be it there's a lot of background, maybe they're on the stage, but there's a lot of background. I did like, I was, I was the additional background helper um, on billions as well. I don't know if I can say that. because it, It's all right. It's a members only podcast, Eliza. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have a yeah, very select was, audience. Oh yeah. So let's see. I did, I did Joker. I, I worked a little bit on Jessica Jones for like two days. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. I mean, it was fun. I met Kristen Ritter. She's really sweet. Um, yeah, go Sagittarius. And no, what else did I do after that? Oh, and then I worked on Little America, which is on Apple TV. Um, and then after Little America, I worked on High Fidelity on Hulu. Nice. So he's also pretty chill. Um, and then after High Fidelity, I went to Ray Donovan. And I worked on Ray Donovan for the better half of last year. Um, also a Showtime yeah, show. Yeah, Leah. Yeah, Showtime. I don't know. And that's the thing is like once you kind of get in a vein, you can kind of get stuck there. And I'm not stuck there. Like, I, no, it I makes sense though. Yeah. Like, it's fun. You know, yeah. But they, they tend to carry people over. Like I, the, the pilot that I just did in, in Baltimore well, sort of pilot we got through like one week before we got shut down because of all this. Um, that I got from because the second, the first and second AD from Ray Donovan 
uh, well, one of one of the two, because on on shows, um, there's like the the odds and the evens, and there's an AD for each. So like, you know, one, three, five, seven, nine, that has one set of ADs, and then two, four, six, eight, ten will have another set of ADs. Um, which obviously is different for movies because there's no episodes. Uh, and so I got that job through those ADs. She just happened. So the second AD just happened to post on Facebook because she didn't know anyone in Baltimore. And I was like, hey, my family's down there. They have an extra car. <laughs> and so I actually got to go down and work on that for a week, which is honestly amazingly more challenging than Ray Donovan. <laughs> I thought Ray Donovan was rough sometimes, but um, yeah, that, that one was a doozy. The director really likes to change his mind a lot, even though they've gone through like weeks of prepping. Um, several times, I was the background runner, and several times I would have someone already changed out of costume, like ready to sign their voucher. And I'd hear the reader, they're like, Is Dan gone yet? So I'm like, no, I have his voucher in my hand. So they're like, we need him. And I'd have to, and this poor, like, 70-something-year-old man, and be like, Sam, I need you to change. Please, now. And, like, and it was just, it was kind of crazy. And you have to roll with those kind of things, you know? I mean, that happens less recently. Like, the, the you know, at the last minute, like, oh, we need this person. But... It does happen, and you have to be ready for that stuff, and you kind of got to just take it. And on that show, because I was – I officially, I was the background runner, but I was kind of also the paperwork PA because outside of New York City, paperwork PAs don't exist. And the second AD is responsible for doing all of the PR work and on top of prepping the call sheet for the next day, which honestly I think is insane. Um, like, there's a reason it exists here. We've been doing this for decades, and our system works pretty good. Um, nice. But, yeah, so I, I was definitely – I was also the most experienced PA there, so I was kind of just, like, the everything PA. Um, mm. That doesn't happen a lot. Da- Damien's um, asking, actually, um, at, so – what is the next stage after being a PA that you would like to experience either in front or behind the camera? I mean, for me right now, I'm trying to work up the AD ladder. Um, So that would, that involves me doing at least 600 days on union sets. And like I said, there's a difference between union and non-union. Um, You'll know basically because you can't touch anything. Uh, but you have to do 600 union days to get into the DGA. And you have to put your book together. Your book consists of call sheets, pay stubs. And if you can get a copy of your deal memo that for each show that you're on, you don't have, you just need one just to show that, like, have proof, like, yes, I worked on this show. Um, that's that's really important because you need like every day counts from the beginning and i honestly like i don't save the papers i just save the pdf on my computer because they're in my email and they're not going anywhere um and then like when i'm closer to having the days i need i'll 
print them. I'll go, you know, print them out all at once. Because um, also, frankly, like, after you've been carrying a call sheet around for 12 hours, it kind of looks like crap. Um, yeah. So, like, from there, I would I would start as a, a second second. Uh, the second second is in charge of placing the background on set. And they're, they're kind of, they're the... The AD's right hand, basically, on set. So you have your your first AD. They're in charge of keeping production on schedule. You have your second AD. They are in charge of what happens tomorrow. You have your second second or your additional second. And they are basically the right hand to the AD on set. And then sometimes there'll be additionally, if you have huge days or some shows, just like to build it in that they'll have like additional seconds on top of that second second to help with background to help on set it really it's it varies production by production but those three will always almost always be there yeah um and so you work your way up you start as an additional second and then eventually you get to second some people skip second go to first i haven't heard of it very often it's very much a, a tough hierarchy. Um, once you start staffing up, like get to know people, you know, be be nice and professional and social without looking lazy. You know, um, you know, don't don't have these like twenty minute side conversations when you should be doing something else, and never ever ever congregate as a group of PAs ever anywhere on set except at lunch lunch is the only okay place to do that because if the um upm the unit production manager some are like whatever but most of them if they see that group of pas you're going that group of pas chit-chatting looking like they're not doing anything are going to cost production and specifically your ad department additional pas in the future yeah so it's really important you know, not just not just for your own image, but for production that you're you're not like overly socializing. Like, yeah, if you're if there's two of you and you're stuck on a lockup together, you know, one of these with the ITC with the police locking up the street and the other one's on the corner locking up pedestrians. Yeah, that's fine. Like, you can have a conversation from six feet away. That's no big deal. But you shouldn't be in in big groups. Right. No matter how bored you are. Yeah talking about the latest episode of whatever show that you watched. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely not a yeah. good idea. Um, I will tell you as a director, just on indie films, yeah. I get annoyed by that when I'm trying to focus and then there's a cluster of crew yeah. people that are just their heads, not in the game. So it's like, you yeah. Know, so whether it's I mean, a small it, set or it. a like, big set, you want, yeah. you, you know, your, your head has to be in the it's game. It's a matter of respect. True. It's a matter of respect. Yeah. yeah, just because you're you're not doing anything of great importance at that moment doesn't mean that other people aren't working. And I I do like to stress that it's not brain surgery. Like I also don't enjoy being on set where people take it way too seriously, you know. And and there's like everything so high stress. It's not necessary. Um, but you will find that on some sets, and and you kind of just gotta roll with it. Um, but yeah, you really gotta. You, you've got to have respect for this set, you know, because you, you can't, if, if you don't and the wrong person sees that, 
you're not coming back to that show or that movie. And if someone else goes to that person and says, hey, would you recommend so-and-so? I'm like, well, I don't think so. Not really, because I saw blah, blah, blah on my set. And I don't know. So you you really got to be careful about how you present yourself. Like, yeah, we all have bad days, but you can never be rude. You know, it's it's just, it's not acceptable on set. And you'll, like, if you got a short fuse, this might not be the right (laughs) avenue for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, just, it's a very small world. Yeah, people talk and it is. your reputation it really is. is so like, important. I mean, well, I, I know people from college that honestly, they ruined their reputation before they even graduated, which is sad, but it's true because like I, I could, I won't name them, but I could name about five people off the top of my head that I wouldn't recommend. Right. If they were, if they were the last option on my, on my list of contacts, I'd skip right over and be like, Oh, sorry, I don't have anybody for you. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know. your reputation is everything. And, and also getting work is all about your reputation. It's about knowing people. Like there is no job website you can go to, to be a PA. You just kind of fall into it from, from networking, from, you know, you might start as a non-union PA doing driving and, carrying all kinds of script equipment and camera gear and blah, blah, blah. If you can't physically do that, good for you. Um, Don't do it for too long though, because frankly, you're not getting paid enough for that job. Like nobody, nobody should be working as a non-union PA for more than a couple months just to like get a feel of things. Nice. Cause it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's, it yeah. really isn't. Cause you're, if you think about it, like, um, do they know what line items are on a budget? Uh, I think like some probably more than others, but uh, the students so, are pretty new. So there's a okay. So on a budget, there's a bubble line that's like people that are there from the beginning to the end. The producers, it's the, the directors, directors, the stars, the, writers, the producers, yeah, the stars, and then below the line, below the line, teamsters, aka the people that drive the trucks and the vans and everything in between are the most expensive line items in terms of employees. So if, if you keep that in mind and then you're like, oh yeah, I'll go drive for your set for 12 hours for $250, when in reality, like the Teamsters are doing that for, I feel like it's like 1800 like, over two grand a day, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't at this point. Yeah, Michael's asking, do PAs work on all types of projects, short films, etc.? Oh, yeah. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that again, that's that's the difference between, um, you know, the non-union and union. A lot of your shorts, a lot of your commercials. Um, a lot of music videos, those are all going to be non-union or like a mix. Like if it's a big name, it, it might be a mix or it might be a completely union set. Um, but in terms of the, like the bigger picture, yeah, absolutely. Again, do those shorts for the experience. Honestly, if it were me, I 
I would prefer to like help a friend with a short versus doing free work for a stranger unless you think it's going to be a really great opportunity for some reason. You know, if it's like somebody that's established and has all these connections, fine. Um, don't do it for any Joe Schmo. You know, because it's just, you're, you're going to be spinning wheels. Yeah, exactly. And Victor is asking, what's the most difficult production problem that you've had to solve? The most difficult production problem I've had to solve? Well, it, let's say sometimes you guys... Oh, well, and the other... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it must be difficult sometimes when you have to block off a street and then just everyday pedestrians just don't want to listen to you guys. Is that ever difficult? I mean, well, with that, you can't... It is difficult, but with that, you really can't do anything about it because, uh, like, as an additional PA, you can't touch anybody. Like, I'll, I'll send you the, the PA booklet that I have, but you really like everything's hands off the only thing that you're allowed to touch are the cones in the street and the paperwork they're going to hand you to hand out to crew like they'll hand you out call sheets and prelims to to pass out but that's all you can put your hands on you're not allowed to touch anything else yeah um but so like i guess the most difficult one of the more difficult things this is this is kind of this is on the pilot um Things are just kind of different outside of New York. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. I, I mean, I had a great experience. I, and it was, I learned so much in the course of less than two weeks. So much. But, um, and that was in Baltimore, you said, right? Yeah, in Baltimore. So as, as a part of the AD team, one of you're responsible for safety, like the AD department on top of being responsible for keeping production on course, you're also responsible for safety. So like if, if an ambulance, if you see an ambulance screaming towards set, you know, you say, you, you go on your walk and you say, you know, emergency vehicle, emergency vehicles. And you say coming from, and this is important. You should know what lockup you're on. So you should say coming towards set from such and such, the, you know, from, I don't know, fifth and, and 23rd. So th that way they, they know they have a, we always have a fire set. They pull anything out of the fire lane so that the emergency vehicle can go through. Cause we're not allowed to block emergency vehicles whatsoever. Um, but to, to segue from that, so since you're responsible for safety, it, it's important to like keep your eyes out for things and apparently your nose because I was, um, our, our last day, we had tents set up under an overpass and trail and then all, all of base camp. So like all the wardrobe trucks. And the, the hair and makeup trailer, all the, all the trailers for the cast and background was in the tent. They were changing in the tents. We were holding them in the tents until we sent them to set because we were like a 15 minute drive from set. Um, and I like, it already smelled weird because we were by the bay and the bay smells funny. But I just, I noticed something smelling weird and then I started getting a headache and within I don't know, two minutes of that, the, the, one of the locations representatives walks in and he's like, oh, the propane tanks are leaking. And I was like, okay, they're leaking. 
And so immediately, myself and the base camp PA, and base camp PA is like something you'll only hear outside of New York City, um, immediately had to run around all of base camp telling every single person, don't light a cigarette. Don't, don't create any kind of spark whatsoever. And mind you, right next to my tent is the hair and makeup tent where they have like curling irons and hair straighteners and blood yeah. dryers and all things to make sparks. Um, and eventually, like it, the the themes got so overwhelming, I I had to make a decision. I said, "Listen, you guys, this this is too much. This isn't safe." Because um, I definitely been in it in the longest, and I was already having a hard time breathing. And I was like, "All right," and I had to take all of my background actors and move them to uh, what we call a people mover, which is one of those small, like, white buses that holds, like, 40, 50 people. Um, I put them on it, and I sent it all the way across the parking lot as far as humanly possible from these propane tanks. Luckily, nothing was wrong with them. Someone, some idiot, just, like, filled them completely when it was 40 degrees, like, not thinking about the fact that it was going to be 70 during the day. And so their pressure release was emitting an insane amount of propane. Like it was yeah. the entire base camp. Yeah. And when I say an underpass, like and we that, were, I don't know if you know. That's super dangerous. Before. Yeah. No, it is. It's really, it's, it's, I mean, I was hypoxic for the rest of the day. I was like, I was kind of done. I made it through, but like it, it took, it took a good 24 hours before I was like breathing normally. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you never know when something like that's going to happen and you kind of, you've got to have your head on a swivel. You never know. Like on the Joker movie, um, we have all of you seen it. Oh yeah. Can I get a yes? Yeah. Have you all seen it? Both. Okay. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> it's all right. You could give a spoiler. Uh, well, but it's, like it's the scene near the end so i really like i'll really ruin it so you better speak up now um so at the end when you see the riot and the the ambulance crashes and the jokers in the car that rolls we saw that in the middle of newark overnight and as i'm sure you could tell it's a dangerous scene there's cars on fire on the sidewalk, like on the side of the street, there's cars flipping over, there's cars getting run into. And it was, and so you had to keep your head on a swivel, even, even just on lockups, because God forbid somebody come through on a bicycle as we're like crashing this car into the ambulance and they get hurt. That's, that's our fault if we didn't try to stop them. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned this because we were talking last night with, um, one thing. we were, I'm glad you're, you, yeah. you talk about safety because we were talking about this about, uh, last night with Indio, who's the co-founder of the Bronx Filmmakers Collective and, you know, we're, mm. you know, and it's just stressing the importance of safety and people overlook it, but oh, yeah, no, you know, getting a shot so. is not worth a crew members, you know, no, no, your never. life on the line. Well, I mean, uh, are you guys, are you guys familiar with Slate for Sarah? Yeah, we were talking about you it last it night. Right yeah, now. yeah, of course. Yeah. And we were in Indio talking yeah, about it. Yeah, because I, I mean, and if, and if you're ever asked to do something, like, like if you're ever on a lockup where you're standing with a police officer in the middle of the street blocking traffic, you should have a safety vest on. Um, production will provide those. If 
if you're not handed one, you ask for one. Like, don't don't ever stand out there just in your plain clothes, especially if you're in a, doing an overnight shoot, because no matter what you're wearing, you're not visible enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, you like you, you have to never ever. And if if somebody asks you to do something that you feel is unsafe, say so. Like, don't. Or if you see something that's unsafe, speak up. Like, take. Speak, take the QPA, you know, like don't go directly to the AD, dear Lord, God, don't do that. <laughs> but unless it's an emergency vehicle, that's the only time you're allowed to like scream out on one, no matter rolling or not. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if you talk on one when you're rolling, you're, you're in the shitter. <laughs> um, but you know, say, you know, say whatever the key's name is, say, Hey, go to two. And that any conversation you have, on the radio should always be on cue. One is for like, if, it, if it's more than five to 10 words, it should be on cue. Um, so you'll switch over it. You say, hey, such and such, go to two, go to two. You're like, hey, so I'm on this lockup over here and this light's really close to the gel and the gel's starting to smoke. Like, yeah, okay, that's, that could be a fire hazard. That's a good thing to call out. You know, stuff like that. Um, or if you smell propane or natural gas. Because, um, I mean, with my Seems experience, like a good I was, reason to chime I was in. on the phone. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, mean, I immediately, I, you know, I texted the second AD, and then I got on the phone. You know, I, I told the locations guys, like, get the people that, that brought these propane tanks here now. And like he called his boss, they called those people, they came, blah, blah, whatever. But, you know, you, you there are going to be moments where you have to take charge once you're staffed, once you're staffed, yeah, like you're not quite an AD yet. I mean, granted, I felt like one most of the time on that pilot, but um, you're not an AD yet, but you still have responsibility once you're staffed. Um, and, and honestly, like if you, if you screw something up in a safety manner, you're you're not you're gonna have a hard time finding work for quite a while. Yeah. I mean it's one thing like it's and and it's not bad to mess up. I mean, you're you're new. That's fine. Like people don't expect you to know everything when you get on set. So long as you say, Hey, my bad I didn't know you know, that's fine. And like and as long as you don't copy so on walkie when someone says something to you like gives you instructions for something you say copy back to them so that they know you heard but don't do that if you didn't hear them or if you don't know what they're talking about in that case you say hey go to two you take them to you be like so what is this thing you're asking me for don't, like, don't ever, don't ever tr try to act like you know more than you do. Yeah. That will, that will only get you in trouble. That's a good rule of thumb. Right, I got to plug my computer in. Um, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it's, it's like my pet peeve. Like I, I had a girl on billions. Um, we had a huge day. We had like 250 backgrounds and my call time was like 4.45 a.m. And you will have those call times and do they suck? 
the only people that are on set longer than PAs are the transpo guys. And that's because the transpo guys can't leave to you leave most of the time. Um, but yeah, she, when I got there, she was already there. And mind you, I got there like 15, 20 minutes early because early is on time. On time is late, late, unacceptable. And she gave me, she just kind of like started trying to take charge and gave me this impression that she knew how things worked. And then it came to the end of the day, I was still stuck on set with our, our main helper. Our runner was back in holding, signing out background with these, with one girl who was green and admitted she was green. And this other girl who acted like she knew everything, but was very green. I spent that night about two hours correcting vouchers. I'm talking like I-9s weren't completed. Signatures were missing. Entire addresses were missing. Like, they, the address has to be there for them to get their check. Like, how could you not? And it was just, it was a mess. So it's super important if you, you know, if one day you're an additional and they say, hey, can you help with background? It's never, it's fine to say, yeah, sure, I'd love, I'd love to learn. But don't, don't go in saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm fine. Right. If you don't. Because that's just going to get you in a shitty situation. Absolutely. So Jeff has a question that... uh He's asking, could technology or an app be made to make uh, production, for example, PA coordination easier for everyone or just the manager? Has ever anybody tried this? Oh yeah, there, there's actually there's a couple. Um, my friend actually made one. His name's Ben. Um, he's he's a really cool guy. He's an electric. Uh, it's called Available. There are some people looking for PAs on that, but frankly. I haven't gotten jobs off it. Like mine have mostly the first, the Joker I got because um, my professor is an electrician and he was working on it. And he just went to the PA. He said, Hey, she was my teaching assistant and she was amazing. You should hire her. And that's how I got that job. And then, um, sorry, I'm trying to like plug in my computer as I talk. All right, no and then after that, um, there we go alright so after that I mean most of what I got was, was word of mouth and then in um, I got Little America through this, this networking PA workshop which if, if it happens again um, I know Jonathan went to it recently like, I think it was March 1st um, if it happens again, because uh, Nicole Payson, the the AD that runs it, she always sends me um, the invite, and I'll I'll send it to you guys. It's really great. She brings in um, eight yeah. like second eighties, second second eighties. John saying on the oh, yeah. chat yeah. that he attended yeah. the workshop, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, no, and second second eighties PPAs. PPAs are the ones that are going to hire you as an additional. Um. Second and first and UPMs 
are generally the ones that are going to bring you on as staff, with the exception of WASI PA. Sometimes the key PA will choose a WASI PA. Um, the WASI PA is exactly what it sounds like. You keep track of all the WASIs, and if you think that's an easy job, you're really cute, because it's not. <laughs> I would never think it's the one position I have no desire whatsoever to ever do. Um, I mean, aside from that, you have to carry a bunch of crap, and I can't physically do that. But yeah, yeah so. So yeah, the and in terms of getting work, it, it's really down to networking. You like go go to the you know go to this workshop if it comes up again. I mean, granted, we don't know what the situation is going to pan out to be, so it might be a while before there's another one. Right. Um. You know, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to other people that you know are, are working, and just network and and put out feelers because ultimately that's that's how you get work. So it's we work in the biggest small world ever. Yes. I, like, it, it, it's, it's insane that like you'll, I, I worked, I worked with an AD for a day, a day, like on little America in March of last year. And then since here at all, and then out of nowhere, she shows up on this Netflix movie that I worked on uh, right before Thanksgiving for, for a few days between Ray Donovan and Billions. And she's like, oh, I remember you. You were really great. I'm like, oh, thanks. And they ended up needing, so the, their background helper fell through, and they ended up needing a helper. And I was like, hi, I know how to do that. And she, she's like, oh, my God, you're amazing. And ever since then, anytime she's going on to a job where she knows she's going to need an extra hand, she'll text me. She'll be like, hey, what are you up to? Unfortunately, usually I'm booked right now. Um, I mean, well, not right now because nobody's booked right now. Yeah, right, right. Of course, yeah. Um, but, you know, usually I'm booked after to say I'm sorry and send her other people. But that's the kind of impression you want to leave. Yeah. Like, you, you, you want to... I mean, don't be obnoxious, but be eager. You know, be be eager to learn, eager, eager to help. Pay attention to what's happening on the radio. Yeah, it gets really easy to, like, space out on your phone, which is another thing you really, like, unless you're on a deep lockup way in, like, bumfuck nowhere back in the woods where nobody can see you, you shouldn't be on your phone constantly. Like, yes, your TPA will probably text you things. And yes, it's okay to look at those text messages unless there's something specifically on the call sheet, like no phone. Like when I was on West Side Story uh, with Spielberg, Spielberg is very anti-tech in terms of phones. So like, you don't have your phone out. I heard, uh, I heard Tarantino's like that too, that yeah, phones are uh, bad. Yeah, I, I haven't worked with Tarantino. I mean, he, he does like what, a movie every like seven years. Yeah, and they're shot so on the West Coast. It's kind of hard to work with him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. and he's all, yeah, he's with on West Coast. But, um, That's something yeah, I've, I've wanted to ask. I asked you a little bit about last time, but I'm always curious about yeah. the dynamics. Are there f- anything that are fundamental differences between the East Coast way of doing things and the West Coast way of doing things in terms of how sets are run? So, outside of New York City, I've only worked in Baltimore. <laughs> I haven't worked in Cali yet. Um, from what I've been told, it's, it's basically like there's no paperwork PA. There's only a base camp PA. And the base camp's in charge of helping with the PR and getting the first team ready, which frankly blows my mind because I've done both. And wouldn't want to do them both at the same time. 
Um, so that's one difference because paperwork, the, like knowing paperwork and doing paperwork in New York City is amazing because you learn so much about what goes into the logistics of the day. Um, and that'll, that can really help prepare you to be a second AD down the road. And, and you, you also you get to know all of, like, not, not the head, head of department. So, like, in the electricians, you don't go to the gaffer. You go to the best boy electric. Yeah. You know, because, like, the gaffer, when you're, like, when you're getting manpower. But you get to know the crew really well um, as, as the paperwork PA because you're, you know, you're handling everybody's paperwork. Um, but that's definitely one thing that they don't have outside of New York City is the paperwork PA. Um, I feel like West Coast is going to be it's going to be the same in terms of like you're not allowed to handle any kind of gear or wardrobe or props. Um, if you go to smaller markets, I can't really speak to that outside of Baltimore because that for me was honestly one of the most bizarre like it, it kind of felt like film school in the sense that I was doing multiple things that were completely unrelated to each other I mean they were and they weren't like like I was tying a guy's bow tie because the wardrobe girl wasn't good at it like it, that would never happen in New York City yeah ever gotcha gotcha but oh. um but outside of that it's hard to say yeah um so actually Michael has it as a question and and I already know the answer to this question, but I'll let you speak about it. What recommendation, what recommendations, if any, does the PA make to the director? None ever, never. The AD department has no opinion. You are not allowed. You can have an opinion. You are not allowed to voice it. I, in fact, like made a, cause again, Baltimore was weird and I got really relaxed and I was, I'm used to like on small stuff where I'm doing all those kind of multiple things all at once having a voice and having a say and I just made a remark about somebody's hair and got snapped at you 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 don't have an opinion yeah you're not allowed to voice an opinion I think that's even true on smaller sets like that's not just on big union sets I don't you know I I don't see I don't see PAs on small like 20 people sets like on the trouble saying like hey you know what you guys have this lighting configuration this way I think it would look nicer this way it would be very weird to do I mean there's a hierarchy and there's a hierarchy for a reason and honestly you kind of look like an ass if you do that Um, and by the way by the way to add to your point about the high there there's a hierarchy and and mm-hmm. I'm the I'm certainly the type of director that I treat everybody with respect, whether you're a PA, whether you're a cinematographer. I'm not going to. But treat, not everybody will. Not everybody will, but at the same time, you know. So it's one thing to treat everybody with respect, but at the same time, those mm-hmm. people also should also be mindful and respectful about their position of what they're doing on the set. Like, oh if, yeah, you know, if I sure. if I were to be PAing, I'm not going to tell somebody how to direct their film, like, you know, like no, that sort of thing, no. you know? No, I mean, the, the closest you'll ever get to, like, any kind of input would be, you know, say, say you're, say you're, I think background runner is, is maybe the biggest exception because if you see something, like, if you've been on this show and 
like wardrobe approved like you know someone comes dressed in something wardrobe's like yeah or whatever and you know for a fact that the director and the 80s gotta flip their shit over what that person's wearing or what's going on with their hair then you can say you can take like the second ad to two or or you know or the second second and just say hey so i noticed this it's kind of odd it doesn't really fit what i've seen before do you mind checking it out yeah that's the closest to an opinion you can get or you know, or, or if you're first team helper and you're on set and like you, you see like a piece of wardrobe that's grossly out of place from like every other shot that it's been in, then, you know, maybe go over to the scripty. Like, and that's like other good thing, big key thing is to know who to ask. It's like, hey, I just noticed this. Did you see that? Because the scripty has the power to go in because they're in charge of continuity and say, hey, listen, this this wasn't like this in like every other shot. And then you don't get in trouble. You help fix the continuity issue. And and frankly, it's that that's the best. It's, it's about knowing who to talk to Yeah. as much as when to not talk at all. That's a good answer, Eliza. Because that's so it's about a reasonable approach to, you know, yeah. Kind of delicately handle certain things that you could mm-hmm. imagine being a problem inappropriately handle yeah. it. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you'll you'll learn. You'll you'll learn as you go and, and the better you are at kind of feeling the atmosphere, the easier it'll be. How do you Victor's asking, how do you deal with high pressure situations in the field? Um I don't know what low pressure is. <laughs> I was just going to say that because filmmaking in general is a high pressure sort of, it's sort of a pressure so, cooker so, because so like, every minute counts in filmmaking. Every minute counts yeah. when you're on set in production. Like as an, as an additional, um, like it, it's definitely less pressure than a staff position, like by far most of the time. Um, but you, you just kind of like you deal with it and you have to be really good at at like prioritizing and, and delegating and especially as like like the background runner, if I have like two hundred fifty people to get ready, I'm not gonna do that all by myself. I've got four people to help me, why would I? You know? Um but it, it's just it's about like dealing with the most important thing first and moving through that. And there's going to be a lot of people putting pressure on you for this, that, and the other. Um, and, and it's about just managing that pressure, managing the personalities, and just saying, "Hey, listen, like, like, like this lady, I love her, I love her to death, but everything with her, like, is stress level like up here, when a lot of it should be way, 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 way down here." Yeah. Um, and that includes like kind of like these constant check-ins how's it going where are you are they changing are they doing this and at some point i had to say listen i will let you know if anything's going wrong if anything's out of schedule i will let you know as we get to the next step in the process but i can't respond to you every two minutes and be effective yeah and i was able to do that because i know her we have a relationship she trusts me to do my job even if it doesn't feel like it all the time. 
Um, but I've definitely, I mean, I've had days where I've like straight up found like a quiet, dark corner and like silently cried for five minutes just to kind of let it out. And sometimes you kind of see that. I mean, I've had like, I was running, I was running a set cause the, the camera was set up across the street and I was in the set giving actors cues, giving them direction. Um, and the, um, one of our crew members, and, and this is a, this is one of the ones that doesn't really respect production assistance was sitting on a couch in the window very visible because like we're, we're looking from across the street at the entire floor of the building. Yeah. And I repeatedly asked him to move. And all he did was like slouch lower and lower <laughs> and lower. And I was like, they can still yeah. see the whole couch. Yeah. And he still didn't move. And the director came storming up the stairs and like, oh, they're set. And I was like, well, I am, but I can't, physically pick him up and move him off the couch because he's not going to listen to me like I can't do anything about that um but yeah like he he was that's royally a, that's pissed off and like screaming obnoxious. at me and when it wasn't my yeah. yeah yeah it is obnoxious and like you'll you'll have instances like that and like that one I was that was like my fifth overnight of the week and so I was like physically mentally emotionally spent and I went to the key I was like I need I just need time to like step away. Yeah. Yeah. I stepped away for like half an hour and like just went in the bathroom and like cried for a while. Cause I was like, it just, it, it sucked. Cause I was being blamed for something that wasn't my fault. Yeah. But no, that, that does suck. also happened. Yeah. Um, and you know, you'll, you'll get a tougher skin as you go for sure. Like now I just feel like, what, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, I'm running it, but he's not listening. Go yell at him. You know? Yeah. Um, but that, that comes from experience. And I've heard, I've heard from a lot of people that, and let me know if this is your experience that a lot Mm -hmm. of times, you know, the director and the production team, their sort of temperament trickles down into the vibe of the set, you know? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeff's asking a great question. Is it always a bigger problem when the set is larger? Um, well, no, no. I mean, I, I think it goes back to what you just said. Um, it, it's a matter of the atmosphere created by those in leadership, and you unfortunately you can't do anything about that. Um, the day that that director that screamed at me, he he brought down the atmosphere of the entire set because I had worked, I'd been working on that at that point for like almost a month, and. Up to that, like, I I knew all the crew members. They, we were friendly. Like everybody always said hi. Everything was, you know, we got stuff done. But it was it was relax, like not relaxed, but everybody was chill. No one was stressed out. We were just getting through everything. And then the director came along and completely changed the atmosphere of the set. And there's unfortunately nothing you can do about it. I mean, with that particular set, just because of the way I was treated, I told the key, I was like, listen. I get that I'm a PA, but I don't, nobody gets to treat me like that. Like, don't bring me back to this set until that director's gone. Like, I'll come back out on the next episode, but after that, like, not until that. 
because yeah, you gotta you gotta stand up for yourself in yeah. situations that extreme. Yeah, you know for sure. And um, you know, like I don't know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be someone's punching bag. Right, ever. exactly. You should be able to stand up for yourself in a way that's reasonable. Yeah. You know, like nobody's allowed yeah, to kind also, of berate you in a disrespectful way yeah. no matter what you're what you guys are doing yeah. in, in any capacity whether you're working at an office job or whether you're working like no one should be able to be completely disrespectful you, there's a no, there's a no, there's an appropriate not. way an appropriate way to stand I mean, up for people will be cranky like you you have to understand that everybody on set is tired everybody has been there five days a week 12 plus hours a day and you're you're seeing the tired. You're not seeing that person. Yes. Especially like if they if they're short, if they're snappy, that's one thing. Like if they say something really mean and nasty, or or do what that director did, then yeah, absolutely. You know, go to the QPA. Say hey, like I had, I was on uh, on Ray Donovan. We were shooting at this location, and um, it was a really narrow driveway, and we had trucks like um. We had shorty, short, we call them shorty 40s. They, they load because they have the big semis and then they yeah. have the, the smaller like box trucks to bring stuff to set. Uh, and I was told to lock the driveway and only let trucks down. And this guy comes with picture cars. And I was like, I need you to pull down there, turn around, park here and wait until I get these trucks in because they're, they're on their way. They're going to be here shortly. He's like, oh, I just got to go park down there. I was like, I'm, no, I'm sorry. This is what I'm told. And, and, Mind you, like, I mean, yes, some PAs kind of get cocky and feel like they have rule of the roost or whatever, but when I say something to a crew member, that is something that's been said into my ear on my walkie from an AV. So right. it's a chain of command. I'm telling it to somebody else. It's not me speaking, it's the AD speaking. And this guy got so bent out of shape because he started turning into me, like his car coming at me. And I was like, no, stop. I asked, please follow directions. He was like, what's your name? Who are you? What's your position? I was like, my name's Eliza. I'm a PA. So he's like, well, I'll make sure you never work another day on this show. I was like, good luck. Because <laughs> the ADs like me, the QPA likes me, most of the crew like me, except for apparently you. Like, you know, and I told, I told the QPA, like, because I, I let him up the driveway after the trucks came. And while he was sitting there waiting, I took the QPA to see. I said, hey, so this is what this guy said. I just want to let you know. Um, I know it's not going to happen because you like me, but that happened. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to him because that's not, that's not cool. Yeah. Because there, there aren't, in reality, there's only a handful of people that actually have the power to fire you. Right, right. And I... I always say too. I mean that that's a rare instance where somebody's actually trying to say something like that, and in reality they don't. Yeah, have, they don't have the. Really, that they really doesn't happen a lot. They, exactly, they don't have the power. Number one, to stop you from working in the industry, that particular person, and number two, yeah. well, when we were talking about earlier, guys, this is so important because a lot of times, unlike Eliza's situation that she just mentioned, um, when we talk about reputation and how important your reputation is. It's not like the movies. It's not like you're going to have some producer saying, hey, you're never going to work in this town again. It's more innocuous than that. It's more like your phone yeah. is not just going to ring. You're just not going to get opportunities, and you're yeah. never going to understand why 
but you're it, you're gonna get like blacklisted. You're gonna get blacklisted. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know other people. I don't really. I don't know anybody that's been blacklisted. It happens though. Like like that. That's where the whole Me Too movement came from out of the film industry because the thing is, is like it's a catch twenty two. I mean, I I have a disability and I used to be an actor and I had like second third callbacks for stuff um after I was injured and at the time like I was wearing like a glove a compression glove on my hand and stuff um and I told him you know I can take it off I just can't like I can't lift stuff you know I can't pick anything up with this hand um and I more or less had a producer call me a liability in producer speak which as I'm sure all of you know is illegal but the catch choice, like I, I could have started bringing a recording device into it, the, but then I, I would have never, ever gotten right. an audition ever again. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it sucks and it shouldn't be like that, but right now that's the way it is. And you know, it's, the bottom line is this. about the sexual harassment. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that goes on, unfortunately, but at the same yeah. time, do what's in your control do like act professional, be hardworking, yeah. be focused. Don't be on your phone all the time. And, yeah. you know, I could give you guys just one example of what I'm talking about when it comes to reputation. Right now, we had hired uh, field sound recorders, a, a sound guy that for one of our projects. And he, he was really good. He in terms mm-hmm. of his technical ability, like he was technically able to record great sound there were so many problems with this fucking guy. Like he was just an asshole. Honestly, he was kind of dramatic. He would complain. He was, you know, um, a little antagonistic yeah. with people, not so much with me. Um, cause I was the director, but, but with other people, I know him, him and the, the, the cinematographer got into it and then him and some, and one of the actors got into it at some point. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like me and the producer were like, should we fire him? It was a debate of whether we should fire him, but we were kind of really into the production. We kept him on. And then uh, maybe a year or two later, I um, got a text from somebody. It's like, hey, um, you know, we saw that this person worked on your project. Would you recommend them? Uh, I'm asking for a friend because they, and I was trying to carefully think of how to answer them because I'm not quick to just bash people and I'm not trying to ruin this guy's life either. But, and then the text message, there was a second line of the text, but they're like, I heard that this person is talented, but they could be a real pain in the ass on set. I was like, well, you, <laughs> I was like, you've heard correct. <laughs> so it's that sort of thing. When we're talking about reputation, it's like, if you're going to yeah. be a pain in the ass, and you're going to be unprofessional. People are going to talk. And it's a small world. And so yeah. they're going to talk. So try exactly. to cultivate the opposite, you know, reputation. Be professional. There's be, very, be kind, yeah. you know, and work hard. And then, you know, it'll put you in a better position for opportunities. Yeah, be kind. That's another thing that's really important. Like, just, just always treat people with kindness because no matter how nasty they are to you, it, you have to remember, like I said before, they've been working – 12, 16 hours, they maybe got like five hours of sleep the night before. You don't know what's going on in their life. Yeah. And honestly, what you're seeing is the work side of them, not who they really are. Um, I I can tell you I'm definitely much more business 
like I, I def- I'll take the time to help, you know, new people and guide people through. And I'm, I'm, I'm a nice person, but I can be really blunt and direct. And, and you tend to see more of that from me when I'm on set because there's no time for me to be, yeah. you know, sweet and, and sugarcoat things for people. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's a big thing is, is being kind. And also, honestly, the only people that can get away with that kind of behavior are like producers and directors. The yeah. rest of us are like, and then even then, like, even then, if there's, you know, I mean, we're seeing what's happening, you know, like Harvey Weinstein was king, king of the world, I guess, in yeah. the industry just a few years yeah. ago. And now look at him. He's with fucking has the coronavirus in jail and rightfully so, you know. And yeah. so it's like nobody, if they're treating people that horrifically, could last forever. Yeah. So it's better to be and kind. Truthfully, and- yeah, truthfully, um, most I, I'd say... 85% of the, probably 90% of the people I work with in the union world are genuinely nice, kind people because kindness does, being, being a decent human being does go really far. It, a lot of people take it for granted, but it's, I, I, I have, I've only rarely come across people that were nasty and they're, they're really the exception, not the rule. Absolutely. And so it's important, like the, the kinder you are and the better you can keep your composure, the farther you're going to get. Well said. We have a good question from Jeff. Uh, is anybody, yeah, is he's asking, is there anybody in the PA world who's like a guru or the person who runs it? It seems like a lot of careers start from there and move on. Is there anybody who lives in that world all the time? not not really I mean there, there's definitely people that, that they'll PA for like five seven years but I mean by the time they get to year five six seven they're they're the key PA so they're like the boss of the PAs yeah. um, but no they usually people branch off um, like you know I have friends that are art PAs now that started with me as additionals I have friends that are, you know, peeing. I have friends that are, are putting in their book now. Like my, my friend, uh, Max Obrasia, I love him to death. Um, he's putting in his book to be a second, which means he's not going to be a key anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so I'm happy for him though. And John, who you know, has a question. Yeah. Do you, do you prefer large scale sets or something smaller and more intimate? Um, Hmm. Well, so that, that's an interesting question. I mean, there's definitely a certain level of comfort being on a larger set. I mean, you're being someone with food allergies. It's definitely advantageous because there's always more food options. Um, but they, they also, they'll, they'll take care of you more. Like they, they tend to put less caps on safety rides home when you work for 16 plus hours. Um, cause they have the budget for it. But even on on big productions like like on on the sh- the the pilot I did for Showtime, I mean, yeah, it's a huge production. We recreated the White House in a warehouse, <laughs> but but in in other ways, it was really intimate. And and um, because of my unique role, like I 
I, I got to know people. I, I don't know if any of you have watched Handmaid's Tale, but if you haven't, Anne Dowd is the villain in it, and she's probably the sweetest human being I've ever met on set. Um, the, the first night we were there, she walked by my background table after, as I was sorting vouchers at the end of the night, and she was like, "Have a nice to her. It's so nice to meet you." Mind you, she hadn't actually met me yet, but like, she was just, she was so kind, nice. uh, and awesome. like, honestly, you know, it, it can feel like family. Yeah, and you know, when, yeah. even on big sets, especially when you're spend. I mean, you spend more time. Honestly, you spend more time with those people when you're in a staff job then you spend with like your significant other and your family. It's like being at camp. I uh, always say that when they, you're on a second family, when, when you're shooting a film or a project, um, feels like you're at camp, you know, when you're in principal mm-hmm. photography, like that's the focus of what's going oh God, on. Don't call it camp. You're giving me flashbacks. Ugh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, I did. I did a film camp. It was awful. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like I mean, it's no, all know, it's I all encompassing, yeah. and the days are long, mm-hmm. and all those things, and you know that's yeah. you know that's basically it's 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 all encompassing. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it, you're right. It, it it becomes it becomes your family away from home. You know. I mean, by by the end of Ray Donovan, like I was I was so close with the, the hair and makeup the wardrobe people. Um, you know, and like, I'm still friends with them online. We still chat, like, you know, see how each other's doing. We've been checking in in with each other through all this. So you, you, it becomes, you know, family away from home. Yeah. All right, Eliza. Well, we're out of time, but this was such a fantastic, uh, talk. I really appreciate you being on the cast. Is there any parting advice that you want to leave for us or any things that you want to talk about? Um, endurance, man. This, this entire industry is a game of endurance. Yes. Don't, and, and honestly, don't, if, if you fall into a position and you don't love it or start to love it, move on to the next thing. Because if you're not passionate about this, about what you're doing in whatever department you're in, you will burn out and you will be miserable. Like you, you have to love what you're doing and love where you are to, to be able to do the kind of hours you do and, and not turn it into a, a, a nasty, despicable human being. Because frankly, most people would. Like I, there's, there's no, no job on this planet outside of the film industry that I would get up at 2 a.m. for ever. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And I, I co-sign with everything that Eliza is, is saying is a lot of it yeah. is the long game. So yeah, it really is like, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. You know, do, do the, do the side jobs, do the bartending, do whatever you got to do to keep yourself afloat while you're, you're trying to make it. And just, you know, try not to lean too much on, on your backup plan. Like everybody, every, everyone outside of the industry is going to say, Oh, you should have a black backup plan. You should have a backup plan. But honestly, I think a backup plan is the worst thing you could possibly have. I agree. Because in all reality, that's going to become the plan. 
I mean, I, I, I torch, I torched the bridge of my backup plan <laughs> years ago. <laughs> There's no, yeah, I'm it, at the you, point of no return now. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's, it's just like, uh, I, I got comfortable. I were, I used to work retail at Apple and I, I did that for six years and that's, that's, six years that I could have been like going full steam ahead into my own career, but I decided to give it like half like lip service basically. Um, and granted I did go to school during that time. So it wasn't a complete waste, but that that's time that I could have spent on my career. And, and I did it. And you know, you, you got to take responsibility for your choices. I, I would probably already be an AD right now or on Broadway or I don't know something. You know, um, but that that's that's my other piece of advice is ditch the backup plan. You know, have the have the the side job because we all have to eat. Do do the bartending is really great. I my friend, I honestly don't know how she can quit a job so easily, but she's probably worked at every bar and restaurant in New York City. <laughs> yeah. You know. And also don't take a job. So this, this is, this is a piece of advice, um, from my mentor, Chris Newman. He's a, an amazing sound recordist and, uh, post sound editor. But don't take a job you're afraid to lose. Um, you know, like don't, <laughs> that, that's, that's just it. Like don't, don't take a job you're afraid to lose because if you're afraid to lose it, you're going to stay even if you're miserable. That's true. Yeah. And I just want to also mention one point and I probably sounded like a broken record because I've talked about this with my students so many times, but, there, but I can give you guys so many examples of this that, you know, when I talk about the long game, sometimes you're, when you're meeting these people and you're meeting directors, you're meeting producer, you're networking, or you're, you're meeting somebody that's, you know, at a higher position in the film industry than you are, or the TV industry or whatever, you don't always have to, in fact, you shouldn't bombard that person with some sort of request right away. Sometimes these, yeah, no. these, sometimes a lot of times these relationships, it's about planting the seeds and mm-hmm. you have to be strategic about how to nurture these relationships over time. And I can give you guys an example because pretty soon on our film scene podcast, um, I'm going to have a pretty major film producer on on the podcast. And, you know, he, he made the movie Face Off and he made the movie uh, Hacksaw Ridge and, you know, just so many huge movies. And um, that he was the producer, like he owned these properties and yeah. developed these films for major studios. And I had met him just walking down the street when I attended the Sundance Film Festival 10 years ago. You know, and he literally, he just asked me to take a picture of him and his friend. And then we started talking and, you know, I mm-hmm. like sent him emails and, uh, you know, we've kept in touch. And now all of a sudden I told him that I'm doing a podcast and he was like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, I, I love the episode that yeah. you did with Kent Jones and blah, blah, blah. You're doing great stuff. And, you know, and all of a sudden his assistant just sent me an email two days ago and saying like, Hey, like, uh, you know, David would like to come, come on the podcast is, is the invite still open? And I'm like, absolutely. Like this is fucking amazing. Like that's going to be the biggest guest that we have like so far. And 
and he's such a nice guy, by the way. Like when I call him on the phone, yeah. you'd be like, Zeph, I'm terribly sorry to keep you waiting. Like who am, who am I? Like, but he's like so polite that he's like, I'm terribly sorry if I'm yeah. like waiting for a moment. And I'm like, you know what? There's that's a, like, that's a ca- sign of character when like this guy who's like yeah. used to dealing with like Warner Brothers and Paramount and all these huge A-list uh-huh. celebrities. And then, you know, he's treating me the same as he would treat those people. You know, it, it's it's yeah. a level of charm and it's, you know, it's a re- there's a reason that he's ascended to that position, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think also, you know, if you if you run into somebody that you admire on the street um, and you do strike up a conversation, the, the best way to keep that conversation going is to shift the focus off yourself. I know there's a million questions yes. that you probably have that you want answered for you, but very rarely do celebrities get asked about, you know, how they are, you know, oh, what are you working on next? How, you know, that kind of, like those conversations, they don't get to have those conversations as often and it, it really helps to, to shift the focus off yourself. That's great yeah, advice. That's yeah. Kids, you know, stuff no, like that's that. so good. I'm so happy you say that because so many people do that, and so many people are trying to bombard them just with like mm-hmm. a request right away. But think about it. Try to, to. I used to do that. Like I, I used to be so self-centered in the conversation. It took me a long time. So yeah, I used to do it too. And sometimes from, like, it's about learning. About yeah, I, I agree, yeah. Eliza. Because you know, in the beginning, yeah, just what you know. You know yourself. You don't know the person. And you know, plus, it's like, easy to talk about yourself. I always say nobody's born with this knowledge, right? Like, it's not like we're coming from yeah. Hollywood royalty where we're trained and like how to navigate this fucking crazy oh. industry, right? So we're learning as as we go along. Especially you're young when you're getting started. You're making mistakes, yeah. trial and error. And so I I did a lot of stuff too when I was first starting out. That I'm like, oh my god, how did I even? You mm-hmm. know, it's embarrassing even well, thinking about some of those it, things, but. You know, then, <laughs> yeah. Then you 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 learn. You I'll, learn I'll from tell you something things. embarrassing about me. <laughs> so, so, like as a kid, I was extremely jealous of Hilary Duff for being like Lizzie McGuire and all her like Disney fame and all that because I was like, I want to be that person. You know, I want to be her, and I was jealous. And now I'm going to be working with her consistent all over. <laughs> So I'm really interested to see like how I'm gonna feel now. Yeah, that is funny. I mean, I she from what I've heard, she's an amazing person, and like, yeah, she's great to be around. And I'm excited to work with her. I just think it's it's ironic that like you know I had those feelings for her. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm funny. gonna be working with her in a very like intimate situation. Yeah, I know. It's funny how things so, shake out like that. Well, great, awesome yeah. talk, Eliza gave us some great knowledge and some like awesome stories and anecdotes and advice and wow it's 10 30 yeah (laughs) appreciate you so much a lot sorry no no you're good you're a good talker yeah thank you so john saying thank you as well and this is this is fun and hope to talk have a good night guys good night everybody be safe everybody